Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mornings are hard. Your sports radio show doesn't have to be. I'm so happy you guys are still alive. I am excited. I am so happy. Laugh and learn every morning aboard the mothership. A good day with D.A. Hey, Doc. I do love the Doc. Happy being alive day. Mornings on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah. 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 Happy being alive day, everybody. It's a good day to be alive. Thanks so much for being with us. It's Target Demo Friday. We shall release the Kraken here shortly. And when we do... You can let us know where you are and how you're listening, and we'll read those coming up here later on in the show. Coming up this hour on the program, Leo Messi's arrival in MLS for Inter-Miami makes things rather interesting. Well, no Morty. Okay. We'll talk to athletic national soccer reporter Paul Tenorio. That was okay? Okay. All right. I'll give you. I'll give you a mulligan. Okay. <laughs> Morty's Morty's a little less stressful on a Friday, I guess. Yeah, Morty's kind of like half snoozing. <laughs> he looks up. He's like, uh, not so bad. Well, I think I'll Morty's giving bed. you a break for uh, your overnight escapades. Oh, okay. I appreciate Morty understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Morty's just getting over vacation too, so yeah, you know. that's true. In forty minutes. We're going to talk about Tyree Kill's declaration that he wants to be a 2,000-yard wide receiver. But speaking of football, we begin in Charlotte, where the Carolina Panthers made things official and pretty early. It's only June, and first-round number one overall draft pick Bryce Young has been elevated above Andy Dalton to the number one quarterback. He is now QB1. Here is Frank Reich's decision. It's been the right time. He had a couple weeks to watch Andy. Um, that was really, that was really good stuff. And, and Andy's continued to perform at a very high level. You know, Bryce is doing well. Matt's doing well. It's you know, we're just trying to get our team ready. Everything is about what's best for our team. So this was just the next step. I don't think there's any harm in this. Okay, it's June. 
if Bryce Young stinks in training camp, if Bryce Young is clearly worse than Andy Dalton in the preseason, you can go back. I mean, it's just not set in stone. It's hard. It's harder because then you have to bench your first-round draft pick, bench the number one overall pick. But it's not like this dictates right now who's the starting quarterback three months from now. But it's something. It is something. And there's part of this that I like. There's part of this that I don't. What I don't like about this is that... Reich admitted that he and the front office built a timeline in and that they wanted Bryce Young to be elevated to number one at this time in OTAs. And I think that that's a mistake for first-round quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks. I don't think you build a timeline. I think you just let it happen. It's like what me and Pete are going through right now with a newborn. All these grand designs and plans, we're going to put them on a sleep schedule, feeding schedule. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. This is when we're going to do that. He's going to eat this. She's going to eat that. This is when he nurses. This is when the front, this is when he poops. All that stuff. What you quickly learn is the whole situation is a dynamic organism that continually changes and no situation is, is identical to another situation. What Pete is doing with Kerry is is not necessarily what I would be doing with AJ. You just have to fit it around what it is. And for a first-round quarterback, a number one overall pick, Bryce Young isn't Peyton Manning, who wasn't Andrew Luck, who wasn't Troy Aikman. These are all different, and I just don't like the idea that in April you make a decision that, Well, we want the timeline to be Bryce Young to be elevated to number one for OTAs. I just don't think you even go there. I think great organizations don't go there, and they wait to see how things work. So I didn't like hearing that. It felt to me like putting the cart before the horse. What I like about it is that every guy in that locker room has said Bryce Young has done everything to show his maturity, to show his respect, to show that he is there not as the number one pick, but instead to earn his stripes. And I have to say that that's a huge component in why I am confident, and I would think the Panthers are as well, of Bryce Young being able to succeed despite his size. The guy's small. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. The guy is small. He is light. He is thin. He is small. And he's going to have to take some hits. Even though today's NFL protects the quarterback, you're going to have to take some hits. Can he withstand the bashing of an NFL season? And short quarterbacks, there have been some successes. Drew Brees, Kyler Murray to a lesser extent, Doug Flutie to a lesser extent. There's been big misses from short quarterbacks that... It just didn't work. But Bryce Young has such a great demeanor. He is so humble. He is so hardworking. He is so respectful. His parents are are just, he comes from a great family. His parents, you could tell around the draft, were just, they were so grounded. They, they just, 
they exuded this type of stability and support without being, look at us, look at our son. It just, I was so impressed by his parents and it just, you know, it, it filters down. I'll tell you a little story. One of my favorite baseball players in the world was Curtis Granderson. Even before he played for the Mets, my favorite team. But I always loved that Curtis Granderson, he was dynamic, he was fun to watch, but he also was just always so engaging without being a phony. He wanted to do interviews or did them. He was respectful for all media. He was respectful to teammates. Everybody glowed about him, and he did it without trying to be that guy. So I recently recorded an interview with him for New York Accent because he played for both the Yankees and the Mets. And I asked him about that, where he got that from. And he said, both my parents were in education. Both of my parents were teachers. In fact, his, his mom was a teacher. His dad began as a teacher that ended up as a dean of a high school, a private school. And he said, from them, I learned to respect everybody because they learned or gave me the respect of everybody at school, that nobody was above anybody else, that you know we all had to work together. And he said, I got it from them. And, and I tried to be that for what my parents were to me. And I just said, well, that explains everything. I mean, his parents were in education. His parents were just great educators and teachers and warm and caring. And he became a great human being. And now he's doing amazing things with the Alliance, the Players Alliance, which is trying to expand financial opportunities to young people who, whose families can't afford baseball because baseball's become too expensive. Travel baseball, the youth showcases, going this, there, the other place for all these you know, a big time events and just a lot of people get priced out of playing baseball and he's trying to help fix that with the Players Alliance. So I'm excited about that episode of New York Accent, but neither here nor there, it reminds me of Bryce Young's parents and why Bryce Young I'm so impressed by as well. And that will really help for him in the NFL. Now look, having great parents doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a star. You've got to also have the talent, but I think Bryce Young does. Anyway, it wasn't surprising that I heard from all of those guys in Carolina how much they loved Bryce Young and what he brought to the table and how he is in the locker room. It wasn't surprising, but I loved hearing it, and that's why I don't mind that he was elevated to number one. I don't mind that the Panthers went with him and are confident in him at number one even though he's going to be undersized in the NFL because what he might lack in size, he makes up for in coachability, in leadership, in maturity, in working, and being authentic. You know, there's guys that are just phonies. There's guys that want to put on the act, put on the face of being humble and being friendly, but it's just an act. And I don't think it is an act for Bryce Young. I think it's very authentic. So... When I saw this news yesterday, I said, look, I I think he'll be fine, and I love what I'm reading and hearing from his teammates. I don't love, though, when Reich said this was the plan all along, and he just checked the boxes, that they wanted him to be elevated to number one QB1 by June, and he checked the boxes, because then they put a timeline on a guy that they had no idea about. Moraz, what was your takeaway from uh, the Panthers putting him at QB1? So I I almost sound like I'm going to have like a fake fight here because I think we all expect him to start day one. But I just think it's so unnecessary in June to do this. I Look, he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Andrew Luck. 
You cannot tell me that he's a slam dunk first overall quarterback, despite we all like what he brought to the table. And they have a pretty good veteran QB. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I just don't understand why not go through the motions, and motions, again, is probably the wrong word, of some kind of fake competition. Even if the organization believes Bryce Young's going to start, let Bryce Young go out and feel like, for the first time as a professional, he has to earn the right to do that. And I just don't think it's a good mindset to install, even if his makeup is good, that this job is already handed to you before you've even stepped foot in an actual training camp with actual veterans. I just think it's setting a bad standard. Now, it may not matter. He may be awesome, uh, and it, it could not progress. But we've seen quarterbacks. I brought up Zach Wilson as the second overall quarterback. Far more questions entering the league than Bryce Young, but they gave him no competition, handed him the job right away, and... You know, he came away a little entitled, and guess what? He ended up sucking as a result. I think a little competition grows a little sandpaper on the kid early, and I think that would just set the right standard in September. It just feels unnecessary more than anything with such a huge asset. I don't disagree. It does feel unnecessary to have to elevate your first overall pick to QB1 in June. I mean, it's freaking June. You didn't even wait till training camp. But is it possible that they want to get everybody used to him being the guy, the leader? So yeah. if you if you assign him QB1 today, the veterans, the offensive line, everybody has to act like, okay, he is our guy. We start to learn how to follow a rookie. But I hate that. What, get everybody used to it? Again, how about he goes out there and shows these guys that he can be the leader, he can be the guy to follow. Not just they should be told by Frank Reich that that's the guy to follow. He, they, they, it should be natural. If you're a quarterback selected first overall, the team should be, you know, be able to get behind you, and they should see. All right, look, look what he's doing here. I like this kid. I like his makeup. Just showing up in August, knowing there's no competition whatsoever, and you're being told to follow this guy again. I just, I don't like that feeling in a locker room. It's not a bad point. I'll be honest. It's not a bad point because <laughs> an, an easy, almost like I'm surprised. Right, exactly. No, we're having a great conversation. I want to break it up and be funny, but that, that was no. almost like, wow, you actually had a good sports board. So no, it, it's just, it's something to consider because it's true that the real way to earn QB1 in the respected locker room is to prove it on the football field. And then you don't have to get everybody, quote unquote, used to the title, that they just see it. And that if he beats Andy Dalton in the preseason and he's playing well, and and I don't know, may, is this something that is as simple as you just want to give him first-team reps and now you don't have to worry about balancing it between him and Andy Dalton? He gets 100% of the, the first-team? Well, oh, okay, I, but you can still control that. He can still get the first-team reps all through camp without actually being named the starter, though. Yeah, like rookies have that plenty of times where it might be known he's the leader of getting, you know, the leader in the clubhouse to earn those. He gets 90% of them. Dalton gets 10. Every reporter will see that and everybody will assume he's the starter. But it also gives you the out if he's throwing picks left and right in camp in the preseason for you to look at it and go, all right, you know, look, he's a kid. You know, we like him long term, but. You know, worst comes to worst. Now he can't start week one, or you've already uh, can't not start week one, or you've already set it up where it'll look like a colossal failure that he's not. Like they've given themselves no outs for him to have the ability to struggle in camp either, which okay, I hate. So, so I let off the segment by saying you could change this if you get to training yeah, camp I, and, I, and preseason. I and disagree. No good. You don't think they can change? I don't it. think you can because I think it makes him look awful now as a kid. 
where they've put all his eggs into the basket. They've told you in June he's QB1. If he struggles to pull back and and then tell your locker room, hey, we proclaimed him too early, it makes everybody look incompetent. And then also, I just think, puts the added pressure. Here it is enough pressure being the first overall pick. The added pressure to earn the right back. Wow, the team believed in you. Then they they proved they shouldn't believe in you. Now you're back. I... Like, can they literally do it? Yes. I mean, you're right in those terms, but I just, I think it's a bad look. I think they are all systems go now, and I just, I just think it sets a bad standard in that room. Which is weird because Reich has been around the block. He's a former quarterback himself. Everybody thinks that he's a great quarterback guy, even though he's had bad quarterbacks in recent years. And so, yeah, I mean, to paint yourself into a corner like this is. Is this the sign of an organization telling Reich what to do? Yes. Or, or Reich being so desperate for a good quarterback, he just is like, fine, he's QB1. Frank Reich's too smart a football mind, and everything he just went through in Indy with Carson Wentz and, and the quarterback. Turn, like, Frank Reich, I'm sure, likes Bryce Young a lot, and I'm sure Frank Reich believes in him and believes he'll be the right coach for him, but behind closed doors, when they invest the first overall pick, and I'm sure they're selling plenty of number nine jerseys and season tickets to see Bryce Young, you have an owner that just, you know, gave way too much money to Matt Rule and watched him go, I am sure is meddling a little bit from behind the scenes and telling Reich, hey, I hired you to get this right with the quarterback. It better be right by September. Like, it it sounds almost George Steinbrenner-esque, but I could see that with what's going on with Tepper and Carolina. Panthers have made Bryce Young QB1, and it's only June. When we come back on the show, what's the impact of Messi on the MLS? Paul Tenorio, he's the Athletics National Soccer Reporter, is going to join us next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Choose your weapon. Peeps with salsa or a kielbasa to the face. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this fine Friday morning. DA with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Listen to us on hundreds of affiliates nationwide, as well as Sirius XM Channel 158. Leo Messi is coming to the States. 
one of the biggest signings ever in MLS history. Is it the biggest? Joining us this morning from the Athletic National Soccer reporter, Paul Tenorio. Paul, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Is Messi's addition to MLS bigger than David Beckham's? Well, I think it'll be, you know, you'll determine that based on the long-lasting impact on the league. You know, Beckham changed MLS. He grew MLS just by coming. And they were in a very sensitive portion of their history. Major League Soccer had just kind of survived this period where it looked like they were going to go away. And a few owners saved the league. And Beckham came and he brought his celebrity status. And most important, he brought this new rule, the Beckham rule, which we, we now call the designated player rule, that allowed teams to operate outside of the salary cap. And that would be this transformative moment for the league. So it wasn't just Beckham's popularity and the magazine covers and the coverage that he brought to the league. It was the rule changes that I think um, you know, really, really created this lasting impact. As far as the soccer goes, there is no bigger signing ever. I mean, Messi is the greatest player of all time. No one, not even Beckham, can measure up to his impact in the game. And there have been other World Cup winners who have come to Major League Soccer, Thierry Henry and Kaká and, and Davi and others. No one, no one comes close. Um, so from a, from a sporting standpoint, Messi is right now today the biggest signing in league history. But how much the league changes and alters the way it does business to work around this moment, this opportunity to capitalize, on his arrival, I think will be a big part of his legacy and, and I think ultimately will determine whether he's a bigger signing than Beckham. Um, but from sporting standpoint, it, it, there's no question. How much soccer, good soccer, do you think Messi has left? Well, he won golden ball for, for best player in the World Cup, you know, what, seven months ago, uh, six months ago. So he is uh, a player who is, you know, still playing at a very, very high level. And I, I don't think that that's going anywhere anytime soon, partly because we, we've seen Messi transform his game as he's gotten older. Maybe there are fewer of those runs where he's taking on seven and eight defenders over the course of half of a field and scoring goals. But his vision, his ability to operate in close spaces, his free kicks, all of those things are still there. I mean, this is somebody who had, I think, 16 goals, 16 assists in, in France's league on this season. He can change games still. Uh, like I said, I mean, he was the best player at the World Cup, winning a World Cup in Qatar in December. So he still has plenty left in the tank. I think you're going to get – it'll depend on what he puts out, what he decides to put out on the field. And uh, we, we saw his statement in the interview he gave where he announced he was coming to Major League Soccer that he still – feels he has a responsibility to the game. What, what I think will be most interesting is that Messi still wants to play for Argentina. They have a Copa America here in the United States next summer and then the World Cup in 2026. Is that the goal for him? Is it, if it's to get to 2026, I think we're going to get a pretty darn good level of, of Leo Messi in Major League Soccer. Um, but certainly we know he wants to play in 2024, so we're going to get at least a year of, of, of Messi with, with goals still in mind, the things he wants to accomplish in this game. So the greatest player in the game is coming to MLS, and the question becomes why. Paul Tenorio, the athletic national soccer reporter, what's the biggest reason in your mind that Messi's coming to MLS? Barcelona's incompetence. I think it has to. we have to acknowledge that it starts there. Um, 
I think on an emotional level, on a legacy level, Messi probably would have wanted to go back to Barcelona. He didn't want to leave in the first place. And the way they operated that team to fall into such financial disarray, and we saw when Messi left, it was because they weren't going to be able to sign him and register him to actually be eligible to play. He was essentially forced out at a moment in time where he didn't want to go, and he went to PSG. And since then, we've seen Barcelona pulling these quote-unquote financial levers to try to get to a, a point of solvency again. Um, and they, they had a plan in place once again to try to create this space to qualify under the, the La Liga rules to be able to sign and register Messi. But he knew that meant that if he comes to Barcelona and he signs, they're going to have to sell three and four and five players, good young players, in order to make it happen. And and I think there was some uncertainty about being a part of that legacy of Barcelona, of what's happening there where they're living year to year trying to survive and and that he could have contributed to those problems by playing there. Um, otherwise, you, you always factor in the lifestyle side of it. And so once you kind of considered that, that Barcelona factor, you look at Saudi, the, the offer that was reported to get as high as $1.6 billion over three years. I think, you know, Messi measured where does he want to live? What type of lifestyle does he want to live? Um, and, and ultimately for he and his family coming to Miami where they already have a home, it's a, an easy flight to Buenos Aires. Uh, it, it made sense for him to come to the United States more than Saudi in terms of, of that part of his life. But I think we have to start and acknowledge that Barcelona probably would have been the preference if they, you know, if they were in a, a better state financially. Okay, so Paul, you're you're going to have to go back to that number because my my audience just drove off the side of the road. We are used to big salaries being like fifty million dollars a year. Did you just say that he had an offer for three years, one point six billion dollars? That's right. I mean, we we know here in the United States, I think a lot of people have been introduced to the the goals of Saudi Arabia in kind of using sport uh, as something to as a lot of people say, to, to sports wash. And, and we know what, what just happened in the PGA Live battle with the PIF. Um, something similar is happening in soccer right now, global soccer. Uh, we saw last year Cristiano Ronaldo sign with the Saudi Arabian team. And this year, the, the Saudi league has aimed at some of the biggest free agents in the game. They've, they're, playing, they're paying some players you know, numbers like 100 million euros a year who would have seen 20% of that if they stayed in Europe. And a big part of this movement was built around Messi. This is the Tiger Woods offer that we heard from Liv, essentially. And, you know, ultimately, I think they felt very confident he was going to do it because Messi did sign an agreement to be an ambassador for Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia just a couple years ago, um, controversially so, because a lot of people felt like he was going to be an ambassador for their 2030 World Cup bid, which South America and Argentina are also bidding for, uh, Uruguay, hosted the first World Cup ever in 1930. 2030 will be the 100-year anniversary of that. Um, but in, despite that, despite having signed that contract, uh, he walked away from that mega offer, much in the same way Tiger Woods did. Tiger, of course, out of loyalty to the PGA, we, we see how, how that's come back around. Um, but for Messi, this is a player who's made a significant amount of money across the course of his career. He's going to make a significant amount of, amount of money in Major League Soccer. This contract offer includes you know, uh, an option to to kind of buy in at a, at a favorable price, some equity in Inter-Miami. That'll bring some lasting wealth to him as well. Uh, 
but yeah, still, I mean, walking away from $1.6 billion is uh, oh my not a typical thing. <laughs> oh my, so you're telling me he could have made five to $600 million a year for three years in Saudi Arabia. He can't be making anything close to that, even with a partial ownership stake in, in Miami. What's going to be the finances behind this? How, how do they make this even close to equitable for him uh, financially? Oh, they don't. I mean, no one was going to be able to match that offer. No, no, no club in, in Europe no, and, and no one in the United States either. I, I mean, or maybe they could have. There are a lot of billionaire owners in, in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, you look at City Football Group, which owns Manchester City as well. They own NYCFC. You know, David Tepper, you know, is worth $15 billion there. The Red Bull Corporation owns a team in New York as well. They're worth north of $30 billion. So, yeah, I mean, there are people who probably could have said, we'll pay you a billion dollars a year. But no one's going to do that. Um, this this offer for, for Messi from the, the sources I've spoken to is going to pay him somewhere in the region of, you know, $150 million over two and a half years. Um, now, that that number is separate from other portions of this contract. So that's kind of what Miami is going to pay Messi. And, and then he's got that, like I said, he's got that equity option in the club that, you know, right now is worth somewhere around $650 million. I would assume that that valuation has jumped significantly since Messi made his announcement. So where he's buying in on that equity factors into the value of the contract as well. Um, but then you've got the other part of this, which is the partnership with Apple, partnership with Adidas, the partnership with the other corporate sponsors who I've heard have stepped up since hearing that Apple and Adidas were getting involved. And it gets a little murkier as to what the value of that's going to be. So Major League Soccer's partner, television partner, is Apple. They went full streaming. They're behind the paywall with Apple. And basically Apple stepped up to the deal and said to Messi, any subscription that we earn around you signing in Major League Soccer, we will give you a portion of that revenue uh, going forward. So how many subscriptions is Messi going to drive? How long, you know, how do they classify those subscriptions? Is in perpetuity really in perpetuity? Is it the length of Messi's contract? How much will this partnership with Apple pay out over time? Um, they also purchased the documentary about Messi a day before his announcement. I, I, I doubt that that's a coincidence. Um, so those types of partnerships with, with companies like, you know, Apple and Adidas, we've seen the kind of, legacy wealth that that's created for people like Michael Jordan. And I think we have to acknowledge and factor that into Messi's compensation here that's as well. pretty good. 75 million bucks a year salary to play in MLS and you get ownership stake and the Apple subscriptions in Adidas. Not bad compensation. Yeah, it's not $500 million a year, but pretty good for playing here in the States. Final question is going to be, does Inter-Miami now have to play at Hard Rock where the Dolphins play? Can they play in their in their stadium as is? I mean, they can. I don't know if it would be the smartest business decision. You know, they're, they're playing. This is this is the funny part here. And Miami's in last place in Major League Soccer. They are, right now, they're, attack, they're attacking quality. Um, when you look at the advanced data, is is historically, like, close to or perhaps the worst that we've ever seen since measuring that data in Major League Soccer history. So you have him coming into a terrible team in a market that had the worst average attendance in Major League Soccer last year, playing in a temporary stadium. Like They, they haven't opened their main stadium, and they won't for two more years. That holds 18,000 people. It, on paper, Miami is not ready for a player like Messi. Um, 
yes, I do believe that there will be conversations about playing at least some games at Hard Rock, but it is complicated there. The relationships in Major League Soccer and in U.S. Soccer um, with parties in Miami are are complicated. And I think um, certainly there is uh, incentive to try to get Messi into those stadiums, into places where you can maximize the amount of money made. But that's going to include, um, you know, some complicated, I think, negotiations with the Miami Dolphins and their owners and, and um, of trying to find a path forward to make that make sense for Major League Soccer. But, yeah, I don't know, on the surface, playing in a temporary stadium in front of 18,000 people with not very many suites, those prices are going to start to get unwieldy, I would imagine. And I would imagine that happens across MLS. I mean, this is a bit like Pele coming to the Cosmos where they had to play a giant stadium. When when he goes to D.C., when he goes to New York, when he goes to Chicago, those are all soccer-specific stadiums that seat fifteen to 18,000 people. They'll probably end up trying to play as many of his road games in NFL stadiums, wouldn't you think? Well, I mean, it depends. Like, there are some really, really beautiful and well-set-up soccer-specific stadiums in this league. Like, Messi will play at LAFC's stadium later this year, and that stadium was built with the the L.A. lifestyle in mind. They have these on-field suites that go for a significant amount of money. All the celebrities go there. They're not going to move their games out of that stadium, right? They they have that set up in that way for, for a reason. Um, and there are still some NFL stadiums, and actually it works out quite well for Major League Soccer in that, you know, three of the stadiums that he would go to to play in theoretically, uh, when you look at Miami's away schedule for the rest of this year, are NFL stadiums. Soldier Field, that's where the Chicago Fire play. Uh, in Carolina, they share a stadium with the Panthers. Obviously, David Tepper owns both teams. And in Atlanta as well, which Arthur Blank owns both teams. And we know that those, you know, Charlotte, Atlanta, those are teams that, you know, regularly can pull in 50,000 fans. I think both of them will be expecting more than that. Chicago Fire sold 10,000 tickets in one day for that midweek game against Messi. Um, but, it, yeah, it will be interesting to see, like, would a team like the New York Red Bulls, who play in a very nice soccer-specific stadium in New York, look to move that game? I'm not so sure um, right away, but I think in the long term, we're going to see a lot of games against, you know, New England, Chicago, Atlanta, Charlotte, where you can play in bigger stadiums and maybe the Galaxy saying, okay, you know, we're going to move this game to the Rose Bowl. That could certainly make sense. And, and I want to go back to the previous question really quickly. I will note Stephen Ross has had litigation against U.S. soccer uh, wanting to play foreign soccer games on U.S. soil. And Major League Soccer has, has kind of played a tertiary, tertiary role, shadow role in that, that court case. That'll factor in, I think, to, to discussions about playing games at Hard Rock as well. So the political side of this, uh, when you bring in NFL owners and things like that, gets, gets very interesting. Mm. It's all very interesting. What a coup for MLS. Messi is coming this summer. Joining us this morning here on the show is Paul Tenorio of The Athletic, national soccer reporter. Paul, great stuff this morning, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much. MLS just got a lot more interesting, huh? Can you even believe a salary that the Saudis offered Messi? Three years, $1.6 billion? That's Messi money. See, that's It's not bad. funny. That's bad because Messi money's not a phrase. Nobody's <laughs> ever said that in the history of the world. No, no, but like that's DA money? That's Messi money. Okay. It's a I, DA show joke. I honestly, I kind of liked Mraz's joke there because, you know, the Saudi money, it's kind of messy. Lionel Messi. 
Well, that's what I thought he was going for. Like, it's so much money, it's messy. No, I was going for the that's DA money joke. That's messy money. I Billions. See. Okay. Well, not as bad. <laughs> you were Six. so quick to jump down. <laughs> I did not think it was good on first blanche. <laughs> I mean, could you at $600 million a year? $600 million a season to play with the Saudis. I can't believe he turned that down. But, I mean, the fact that MLS is healthy enough to offer him $75 million a year is pretty good. Right? That's more than yeah. anybody in the NFL will make. Yep. That's more than anybody in Major League Baseball will make. And That's did, more than anybody in the NBA will make. And did you see the ticket price jump? Yeah. yeah from $29 to, what, over $600 for the cheapest seat for that first game in July? I saw 484 was the cheapest oh, ticket, okay. I think. But, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Suddenly... I mean, do you buy now the Apple package to watch Inter games? <laughs> I still, if I'm getting it, I'm still getting it for Zanaboni before Messi. Yeah, we need the Zanaboni calls. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I still think the biggest draws in MLS are Zan- Zanaboni 1, Messi 2. Also, could you imagine, I don't know if they play St. Louis, but could you imagine Zanaboni calling a Messi goal? Oh, yes. Whoa. Or whatever that goalie is he loves making a big save on Messi. <laughs> Barky, yeah! Oh, man. Good times. Good eating. All right, Pat Boyle has our headlines. All Mr. Right. Boyle? Yep, and we're sponsored by HelloFresh. Shake up dinner time with HelloFresh. With 40 weekly recipe options, there's always something new to try. Get 16 free meals plus free shipping with, sco- with code SKATE16 at HelloFresh.com slash SKATE16. We're two hours away from Canadian bacon history, but we will be recapping last night's game all morning long. With hope fading and the Panthers trailing 2-1 to one with less than three minutes left, they pulled Sergei Bobrovsky from net, and Matthew Kachuk scored a game-tying goal before Carter Verhage won it in overtime. Florida comes back for a pulsating 3-2 OT win to take Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. Kachuk summing it up emotionally after the game. I really don't know what to say. Probably just the gutsiest win I've ever been a part of. So I'm very proud of, of the team, and, and uh, you know, we're not done yet. Vegas still leads the series two games to one. Game four tomorrow night back in Sunrise. South Florida will be jumping again tonight for game four of the NBA Finals. The Heat in a must-win spot. Can't lose. Have we labeled what this is tonight? <laughs> gotta, gotta have it, I think. Yeah, for Miami, it's a gotta, gotta have it. Now there's a gotta, there's a double gotta have it versus just a gotta have it. Every day there's something new, Pat. Hey, come on, this is a must win. They're not going back to Denver down three one and winning right. three in a row. No, yeah, I think you're right. Win. It is a must win. A must well, win. either way, they will once again be without the services of Tyler Hero, who still is not cleared for game action in his attempt to return from the broken hand that he suffered all the way back in Game One of the Bucks series on April 16th. With or without you, like you two once said, Eric Spolster said, oh. this is what he culture is all about. It's tough going through the gauntlet uh, of three rounds to get to this level. And then when you get to this level, it, it should be what it is. It's the highest level uh, of competition. Uh, and our guys thrive in that. They love it. Game four tonight, 830 wow, Eastern. Good, that was good. I thought you were going to go with when a hero comes along, will the Heat have the strength to carry on? It's not okay. funny. No, that's, that was a quick trigger. Yeah, that was a quick trigger. Pete was waiting on that. <laughs> That's not fair, Morty. That's not fair. I, not Pete. It's Morty. Right. <laughs> Morty no was DA on. was about to credit me for that one, and, and Morty jumped. Yeah, and, and Boyle didn't mind it either. That was not bad. But he's got to get some reps. He, he's been off for a little while. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's now a familiar sight in Oklahoma City every June. The Sooners celebrating on the field after a national championship. 
OU sealed the three-peat last night by beating Florida State 3-1. to one. They sweep the best of three series to win the Women's College World Series and finish the season 61-1, and one, ripping off 53 straight wins to cement themselves amongst the greatest college dynasties of all time. Over to baseball, Jose Ramirez was feeling himself last night. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to right, away, back, gone again! Jose Ramirez with a majestic blast to the seats in right. Three home runs in his first three at-bats. Tom Hamilton, Guardians Radio, the call. Here's a bullet list of the wowie zowies from that game last night. So that included homering from both sides of the plate for the seventh time in Ramirez's career. Also included his 200th career home run. And in the sixth inning, where he hit one of those three, the Guardians hit for a team cycle. They had eight straight hits and five runs. They beat the Red Sox 10-3. to How about this from fellow Guardian Josh Naylor? I think that's what makes him special. He He's not afraid to walk. Um, he obviously has power from both sides. So, I, mean, I, I always say I think he's the best player in the league. Um, I'm privileged enough, blessed enough to play with him, learn from him. Um, we're blessed as an organization to have him. So, um, I think we all try to learn from him. All right. Maraz? Nice. <laughs> Anything on that? Him calling Ramirez best player in baseball? I mean, he's a really good player. I said last year I would have voted for him for MVP over Otani for what he was doing for Cleveland since Cleveland was in the mix of the playoffs. Mm. You would have? I said this on the air, and you and Bogus jumped down my throat. Remember that famous Judge and Otani argument? Yeah, I remember the Judge versus Otani. I didn't remember you saying Ramirez I, over I said my, one of my biggest things was you cannot win MVP if you're nowhere near playoff contention. And you guys said so you, you guys said it's just about Aaron Judge because you're a Yankee fan. I said I would vote for Jose Ramirez, too, based on what he's doing carrying a mediocre Cleveland roster to the playoffs. I don't remember that. Well, I mean, you get two hours of sleep at night right now. So I just... <laughs> All right, I'll give you one more baseball score to, to go through and, and one bullet of football news. Another tight one last night between two of the AL's best ball clubs goes to the team from the great north. Blue Jays beat Houston for the second straight day by a score of 3-2. to two. A three-run fifth inning eventually chasing Framber Valdez from the game. Jose Barrios turned in six strong innings. Toronto takes three of four from the Astros. And Houston slugger Jordan Alvarez exited that game early with oblique discomfort. No concrete word yet from Dusty Baker on if he will miss extended time. And finally, football news. Frank Clark is staying in the AFC West after all, but he's headed to Denver. A three-time Pro Bowl selection. Clark has 58 and a half sacks and 14 forced fumbles in his career. He is third all-time in postseason sacks. The deal reportedly is one year and could be up to seven and a half mil. All right. Thank you, Pat. When we come back here on the show, could Tyree Kill actually break the all-time record for most receiving yards in a season? It's next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. The only radio show where listeners are invited to their childhood homes. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, welcome back to a Target Demo Friday. The meme has been released. We have released the Kraken. Let us know where you are and how you're listening when you see the Target Demo Friday DA show full house mashup. We were trying to sing the Family Matters theme song yesterday and just kept coming back to the Milkman, the Paperboy, and Evening TV. And we kept realizing, no, that's full house. So let us know where you are, how you're listening, and we will read those coming up here two hours from now. Tyree Kill says he wants to be the first wide receiver 
to catch 2,000 yards. And the question is whether he can do it. And the answer is, yep. A definitive yes. Why? Well, now the NFL season 17 games, and Megatron almost did it in 16. Calvin Johnson was 36 yards shy of 2K in his prime. He caught 1964. Extra game, 36 yards short. Yeah, now Calvin Johnson didn't have a secondary wide receiver as good as Jalen Waddell. So you have to collect most of the catches, most of the passes, most of the yards basically every week. But I don't think that this is that crazy to think that it's either Tyree Kill or somebody else soon is going to do 2,000 yards. The way that passing numbers continue to increase, adding a 17th game, whereas I would be... I would be confident in saying we will see a wide receiver catch 2,000 yards within the next five years. Yeah, especially if you look at the way quarterback passing yards keep getting elevated, that we can't compare these errors constantly. How The, the yards got to go to somebody, so why wouldn't we see a 2,000-yard star receiver at some point? Would it be him, though? I think he has an opportunity based on the fact that he has so much yards after catch ability. I think that's the kind of thing it's got to be. Somebody that could take off and turn 20-yard gains into 60-yard gains a couple times a year. That puts them over the top. Right. To catch 2,000 yards, it's actually only, and I say only in air quotes, 117 yards a game. Tyreek Hill could easily hit 117 per game. And now with 17 games, running for 2,000 yards is not going to be nearly what it once was. I know it's only, quote, one game more, but a a great running back having a 117-game average every game for a a season is not that out of the realm of possibility. We've seen 2,000 yards on the ground, though, before we have not seen it passing. Yes, more, more running backs by committee now, though, as opposed to just hitting your elite receiver constantly. True, but let's just say that there's a great running back like Adrian Peterson or something that comes out of school and rookie season or second year, the team that drafts him just goes, you know what, we're going all in and we're going to run you a ton, even though that you know passing is is elevated, even though there's a lot of two-back systems, you could see a running back hitting oh, 2K again. Maybe Bijan this year. Yeah, that's a good that's a good suggestion. Bijan Robinson or somebody like that where a team goes – mistakenly, we're going to draft a running back really high. You're the centerpiece of the offense. We're going to drive you to the ground. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be long before we see a wide receiver hit 2,000 yards. The Target Demo Friday meme, as I said, is a full house-based meme. And I just got a tweet about this meme that has actually shaken me to my core. Whoa. So I'm going to release that, talk about that when we come back for the break, and... We will have the one and only Badlands Booker, the Baron of Belch, join us next. A week from now is the Bob's Bar Show. DA, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.